everyone. I'm Alexa. And I'm Catherine. And we're the girls behind Tickets, Please. And on today's episode, we're talking all about romantic dramedies. I consider this genre to be romantic comedy adjacent. Mm -hmm. Would you say that same? So I'm curious. So I know when we talked about it, we used a specific movie that I'm sure is going to come up as a model. But so when it comes to romantic dramedies, do you consider ones that are more comedy to be like what's your balance level because to give you an example i'll start off with in good company (laughs) in good company oh my gosh so i watched that movie on my ipod I downloaded it on my iPod when we were on like a road trip of some kind. That's a fucking vibe if I ever heard one. That is the only time I've ever seen that movie. I downloaded it onto my iPod and watched it in the car. It is not in any way a quality movie. (laughs) It's really not. But I love Topher Grace and I love Scarlett Johansson and I love them together. Yeah. (laughs) And it also happens to feature one of my all-time musical faves which is Iron and Wine. Oh. There are three Iron and Wine songs in this movie. Are they diegetic or are they like just playing as part of the soundtrack? Like, do they just- What does diegetic mean? Diegetic means that if if someone in the movie is, like it's happening for the characters as well, they're hearing the song. No. It's not diegetic. So it's just like playing a soundtrack. Yeah. Interesting that they just soundtracked that movie with a lot of Iron and Wine. Yeah, and the fourth song in the movie, or I mean, maybe there are more, but of the ones I noticed, the fourth song is Damien Rice, who is very of the moment, along with Iron and Wine in 2004. <laughs> <laughs> that movie, uh, I barely remember um, the plot, but I I've, I listened to a podcast once where that movie came up and one of the girls was talking about it. And she go, she described the movie as, it has like no plot. It's basically Topher Grace wants to date his boss's daughter. And at first he's like, no. And then he's like, you can actually date her. And then that's it. <laughs> it doesn't have a ton of plot, but uh, Dennis Quaid's character is the head of advertising sales for a sports magazine mm-hmm. and classic. They get bought job. out by a billionaire business person. And Topher is brought in to take his job and becomes his boss. Topher's 26, he's 51. So (laughs) that gives you an idea. And yes, he does end up dating his daughter sort of behind his back, not intentionally behind his back, but they, you know, they don't tell him. And uh, there's a scene where he punches him. Of course you can, can, without without having seen it, for those who are listening, I'm sure many have not seen it. Right. And without me even having to, explain the rest of the plot like you already know the movie you've got it that is so true but if you like Topher and you like Scarlett it's a cute movie yeah so that for me is something that fits pretty squarely in this category okay I also realize I have a list of five movies here three of them star Anne Hathaway shut up so like I have a problem <laughs> I have an addiction maybe or I don't maybe know she does she clearly has a niche <laughs> 
So next on my list is Devil Wears Prada. Of course, of which course. is basically what we might I've been dying to fit this into some category because it's one of my favorite movies. We essentially picked this topic so we could model the episode about <laughs> Devil Wears Prada. <laughs> what I need to know is, what is it about this movie that I have seen it more times than I can even count and somehow I'm not tired of it? I'm not a person... Like, you're much more of a rewatcher than I am. Hmm. And I I have a handful of movies that I like to rewatch occasionally. But if Devil Wears Prada comes on TV, I don't even watch TV that often, like live TV. Mm -hmm. But if I do and it's on, which it almost always is, I'm watching it. (laughs) Um, That is so interesting. I really wonder what makes a movie rewatchable another one it's not it doesn't fit into this category so it's not on my list but another version of that is easy a with emma stone Mm. that is another movie i have seen that movie 50 times and if it's on i'm watching the entire thing i wonder what what is it is it about a movie that makes it Uh, so i just figured it out oh what i know what it is what is it stanley tucci (laughs) he's the key Stanley Tucci is the key that unlocks the door but to Utopia. Stanley Tucci also stars in a movie that we've talked about on this podcast that I'll only watch once, The Lovely Bones. I will. We can't talk about it again. I, I can't, can't do it. I can't even think so about it. So maybe he's I've, not. I've key. erased it from my He has mind. to be funny. He is. He has to look. He just had an off moment. Yeah. He has to look yeah. like Stanley Tucci in order to ha- have the key unlocked because <laughs> he was unrecognizable <laughs> in that movie. Do you know who his wife is? No. It's Emily Blunt's sister. She introduced them. Really? Is that not the cutest? That is the cutest. Oh, and I heard hot gossip on the street from my mom. Ooh, okay. Is that he's doing a new show where he travels to Italy and eats. Oh, my God. Really? During the pandemic. Wow. Like, they filmed it, I think, over the summer. That will... You know, with all their all the safety precautions and everything. That will be so good. Speaking of cooking, have you seen um, him in Big Night? No, I don't think I've even heard of that. It is so good. I think I put it on your list of movies to watch. It's Stanley Tucci and Tony Shalhoub, and they play brothers from Italy, and they own a restaurant. And it's about, and it's just, it takes place over like one night in their restaurant. And uh, it's real. You will love it if you haven't seen it. But I have a memory of you saying that you did see it. Now that you said this and I looked it up, the cover looks familiar like that you we've talked about it before, but I definitely haven't seen it. Also, I have to say Tony Shalhoub is one of those people who I just learned his name just now when you said it. He's one of those people that I've seen hundreds and hundreds of times and somehow never knew his name. (laughs) I've never even heard that name. What? He's Monk. Okay. Is that Minnie Driver? Am I looking at Minnie Driver and Juliette Binoche? Yes, you are. Wow. That's that's a cast right there. (laughs) But also, speaking of cooking in the pandemic, did you watch or have you seen that Selena Gomez is doing um, a show on HBO Max where she cooks at home with chefs like during quarantine? I saw the show existed. I actually put it in my queue, uh-huh. but I haven't watched it because I'm kind of not the biggest Selena fan. So I am not 
so I'm a partial fan. I I listen. I like her music. I listen to her hits, and and I have seen her in concert before. But I'm not. I wasn't a huge follower of her like personal life. Plus, I, she usually is not very open about it. This is as much as I've ever gotten exposed to her being a mm. real person. And she is delightful. Really? Yes. She. I fell in love with her watching this show. First of all, she is. She seems really normal and grounded. Um, she's adorable on the show because she doesn't, she's learning to cook. So she, but of course she's learning with professional chefs. So they're not like making a grilled cheese sandwich. They're making like very complex, like five-star dishes. So she's like, uh, excuse me, grilled cheese sandwiches are five-star, but continue. She takes apart an octopus at some point. She's making homemade gnocchi. So she's really like crash course learning cooking. But she sets things on fire. She almost cuts her finger at one point. She's got her friends in the kitchen. So it's really, they're like hanging out. She's adorable. And they're all so cute. They, she's, they're teaching her to cook virtually because it's all during quarantine. She's got her kitchen like rigged up with all these cameras that they can, so we can see her cooking at her stove. And they flash between her and the the professional chef. You have got to watch it. You'll love it. Okay, I'm into it. You'll love it, especially. I'm sure you know a lot more of the chefs than I did. I'm not a big cooking show person, which is also why I like this because it's half cooking show, half like hangout show it's very bingeable i watched the best kind i watched it in two days you'll love it if this took you from being a partial fan to a full fan of hers that interests me a lot you should watch it you'll love it all right now that we're way off topic let's get back to (laughs) the devil wears prada i I don't even know if there's necessarily more to say i mean everybody who's seen it love has the same feelings yeah speaking of grilled cheese sandwich look at how how integrated our convo is <laughs> oh yeah there's like ten dollars worth of Jarlsberg yeah <laughs> that trash boyfriend the devil wears prada was on my list obviously too should i maybe i'll just run through my three and Hathaway go, movies go for that it I got here. back to back the next one is the intern that was on my list too I feel like a lot of people haven't seen this movie and they need to if you haven't and you like the devil wears prada you should watch the intern because it's essentially Devil Wears Prada, but with De Niro instead of Street. And she's a little nicer. She's not as, she's it's probably the same controlling-ish qualities. Who's but she? Anne Hathaway. Oh, she's nicer. Like as in, it, it's a similar movie that she's a, a boss who has an intern. Oh, I see what you're me- saying. She's not yeah. mean in the movie. She- oh yeah. I just meant like, instead of power player Meryl Streep, it's power player Robert De Niro. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I thought she, cause the movies are very I similar actually, plot wise. You're right. And I didn't even think about the intern aspect of it or like the junior, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, yeah, assistant. employee aspect of it. Yeah. Because Robert De Niro basically plays her assistant is basically what the movie ends up becoming. And in and in The Devil Wears Prada, Anne Hathaway is Meryl Streep's assistant. So it's similar. Yeah. It is so comforting and warm to watch that. I watched it on Christmas and it makes me cry every time. Every time they have the conversation mm. in the hotel where she talks about... Mm whether or not she wants to stay with her husband and she says that she doesn't want to cry now she thinking says, about it but such is life my friend no it isn't not always and i'm not so sure i'd be so forgiving 
I am not so forgiving. I'm saying that I could potentially be forgiving, but don't think that I don't feel what's going on here. It's crushing. And when I think of Paige... Oh, don't, uh... Also, if we got divorced, he'd remarry. Maybe not to this girl, but someone. And we both know I'm not easy. So I could be, like, single forever, which means that... Forgive me, but I, this does keep me up in the middle of the night. I go. What? That I don't want to be buried alone. Paige will be with her husband, and Matt will be with his new family, and I will be buried with strangers. I will be buried in the stranger's single section of the cemetery. <laughs> Not that that is a reason to stay together, but it's just, you know, scary sidebar. Let's take that one off your plate. Right now, you can be buried with me and Molly happen to have space okay i can't i he it is one of the most beautiful on-screen friendships yes father daughter yes feeling friendships i don't i it's too much honestly and nancy myers she really outdid herself with that because it's not her normal because normally, obviously, her movies are rom-coms straight through where it's vi- the, the romance is front and center. And that's really not the case with this movie. This is more about their friendship and him becoming really a, an integral part of her company in the office and mm. how he becomes like a father figure to all those little interns that give his problems and he ends up taking one in as a roommate. I mean, I can't. Remember when he babysits her daughter? Her daughter is so effing cute, too. I can't. (laughs) No, me neither. (laughs) It's too much. Next on the list, my third and final Anna of the Way movie (laughs) is Love and Other Drugs with Jake Gyllenhaal. So I've seen it once. I I could stand to rewatch it. She has early onset Parkinson's, Mm -hmm. and he is... Clearly, I'm not... I'm like I'm like explaining it to you as though you didn't see it but for those who (laughs) haven't seen it and Jake plays a pharmaceutical rep and he's a dick and she does not want to get involved in anything that will require her to get emotionally attached with anyone let alone something romantic and they fall in love which is cheesy and oversimplifying it but like I got to tell you, I don't know what it is about this movie. It it really gets You've me every time. You've said that before, and I really need to move it to the front of a rewatch because I got to say, I saw it once and I don't remember being too impressed. So I have to, but hearing you talk about it, and this isn't the first time you've talked about it like that. So I really, I think I need to give it another look because yeah, I didn't remember loving it all that much. I'm also realizing, and I think maybe I had this realization on a previous episode and now I'm rehaving it, but I think I am actually a huge fucking Anne Hathaway fan (laughs) because I just watched, I just rewatched Interstellar the other day Uh and somehow had forgotten she was in it, even though she's in the the absolute entire movie. (laughs) All I remembered was Timmy and She's the leading woman. (laughs) Didn't remember Matt Damon was in it either. Like, (laughs) forgot it all. She was, I love her. Yeah. I think that that might have contributed. I think I was still coming to terms with loving her when I watched Love Mm. and Other Drugs. So I think not really having 
uh, an affinity for her probably colored my view of it because I wasn't sure if I, I was like, I think I might hate her, but that's not the case. I don't hate her. All right. And my final pick is a movie that you watched because I put it on, on your list on our master film fest list, (laughs) which is the kids are all right. And this stars two of my all time favorites, Julianne Moore and Mark Ruffalo. Yeah. And Annette Bening. She's not necessarily one of my favorites, but she is one of the stars mm-hmm. and she is great in it. You weren't a huge fan. It wasn't. It didn't do it for me. And I wonder why. Because so I texted you that I watched Enough Said, which has Julia Louis Dreyfus and James Gandolfini. Mm-hmm. And I was going to text it to you, but then I was going to save it because I had a suspicion that the kids are all right was going to be on your list. And I watched Enough Said, and I got to say, you have to watch it because it strikes me as the same type of feeling that I got from The Kids Are All Right, which I liked. I liked the feeling that I got. I just wasn't too into the actual plot and the characters. I wasn't, I mean, I found Annette Benning to be a little grating in that movie. And it, it just didn't grab me the way I wanted it to. But the mood of the movie, I really loved. And so, and that mood is present in Enough Said. And I liked Enough Said better because I liked the story better. But it felt the same. It's the same. They're in LA. They're it, they're outside a lot in yards and on stoops. And, <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it's, a, it's very sunny. It's, it's, they're outside a lot. They have these conversations. They're all a little bit older in this movie, as well as the kids are all right. All of the, um, you know, Julianne Moore and Annette Benning. they're supposed to be like a little bit on the older side. They have college age children. Same thing with Enough Said. It's very similar. So I get why I'm supposed to love the kids are all right. It was just the story that didn't do it for me. Well, let me say to those of you who haven't seen it, it's an incredible story. In this case, I'm going to tell you to ignore Alexa. <laughs> <laughs> And on top of that, if you need convincing, Mark Ruffalo owns a restaurant in this movie, a farm-to-table restaurant. He grows everything on the farm. And you get to watch him sweaty, covered in dirt, and picking tomatoes and eating them right off the vine. (laughs) So do with that what you will. There you go. (laughs) Let's hear what was on your list. All righty. So, um... Going off, this movie always pairs in my head with Devil Wears Prada, and I can't tell you why, but uh, Legally Blonde. Oh. Legally Blonde has a similar vibe and rewatchability that Devil Wears Prada does for me. Um, again, with the the ROM not being front and center and mostly about, you know... <laughs> mostly about the comm. <laughs> mostly Reese Witherspoon is, uh, is just becoming a, a badass lawyer and i mean i don't know why i'm explaining the plot of legally blonde there's not a human who doesn't know what legally blonde is about if you haven't seen legally blonde by now you're actually not allowed yeah you're kind of too you're too late you're you're too late you can't get on board now if you haven't seen it so i don't know how you've truly i want to meet you because i don't know how you've managed that this is somewhat of a skill so yeah i don't know that there's much to say everybody has seen it and loves legally blonde so um, another one I have on my list, which I know is controversial for you, is uh, 500, and for many people, 500 Days of Summer. 
Why do you know this to be controversial for me? Because I think I've mentioned, how do you know? I think I've mentioned it before about including it on one of our romantic comedy podcast episodes. And you said, I, I, it didn't really belong and that you wouldn't, even if it did belong because you, (laughs) (laughs) I have some things to say, but I'll, I'll let you say yours. Well, no, I want you to say your counter first and then I will defend it. Okay. This movie came out when I was in a relationship that ultimately ripped the shit out of my heart. And or maybe this, I don't know if it came out during or maybe right, maybe right after, uh, sometime around there. It came out in 2009, and if that's helpful to you. 2009, so so after, right after. When I saw this movie for the first time, I thought to myself, there has never been a better movie than this. I loved it. Love isn't even strong enough of a word. Loved it, obsessed with it. Over the years, my feelings have changed. And is it because of, it's because of the personal aspect that you were mentioning or, or is it something you actually dislike about the movie now? Because I think there's, I think, I think there's just to, before you answer, both views are valid. You are not alone. (laughs) Do you know that this is a popular, your opinion is a popular one to have about this movie that they, I I do. I do know Mm -hmm. that I've seen some stuff here and there along these lines, I think. Mm-hmm. I remember one of the reasons I really liked it, well, besides loving JGL and Zoe, was because it so perfectly illustrated what heartbreak really feels like. And I actually would say that part, like that aspect of it holds up. Yeah. But the toxicity of the relationship, yeah. really on both of their parts, yeah was not clear to me then the way it is now. And I think that I have the same opinion. Just I it, just my secondary opinion of the movie isn't negative. It's just a different view of the same movie. So okay. I share a similar experience to you that when I saw it for the first time, I was obsessed with it. My friends and I watched it dozens of times. We were in love with it. And looking at it as as a romantic comedy and seeing you know um tom is what his name is in the movie um jgl being the star and the one we're supposed to root for i don't watch the movie the same way anymore because i've read some things i'm pretty sure the writer or the director has come out and said that he feels this way as well tom is sort of the villain of that movie he basically forces zoe de chanel into a relationship she very much says she doesn't want to be a part of and is pretty upfront with him about how he feels and how mm-hmm. he chooses to interpret that is not really her problem. And the movie makes it her problem. And the level of projection. Yes. He idealizes her into this. I mean, the movie literally does expectations versus reality, but the whole movie could be framed as an expectations versus reality because he puts her on this pedestal to which a per- a real person could never actually live up to. And I think that seeing the movie again, thinking about that, about how it's a story of basically a guy who's coming to grips of what it's actually like to be in a relationship with a real person as opposed to a fantasy version of what you think a person should be is a, still makes the movie enjoyable, just not as a love story between uh, his character and Zoe Deschanel's character. That's an interesting take. And I think 
I would even consider watching it again because it's been a few years since I. It has for me it. too. I I think I would consider watching it again through that lens and and reevaluating because I think it's still there are still excellent parts and I I think it's a beautiful story with both reads because when you're younger and you think that it's just a romantic comedy of him and he falls in love with this girl and she he wants her to be in love with him so badly and she just isn't like I I think about that scene where he's the the spot in the park that he always goes to because he can see the view of the city and he sees her there and she's getting married. He never wanted to be anybody's girlfriend and now you're somebody's wife. Surprised me too. I don't think I'll ever understand that. I mean, it doesn't make sense. It just happened. Right, but that's what I don't understand. What just happened? I just... I just woke up one day and I knew. Knew what? What I was never sure of with you. Because she tells him in that scene that he helped her become more of a romantic person because she she sells him on the idea of fate in that scene. She says to him, Well, you know, I guess it's because... I was sitting in a deli and reading Dorian Gray and a guy comes up to me and asks me about it and now he's my husband. Yeah, so? So what if I'd gone to the movies? What if I had gone somewhere else for lunch? What if I'd gotten there 10 minutes later it was, it was meant to be. And I just kept thinking, Tom was right. Because he's a romantic and by that point she's broken his heart and he doesn't feel like he's a romantic anymore. And so she r- tries to uh, explain to him basically that you could still be like that. You just have to do it with someone who is accepting and feels that way too both sided you can't one side a person into a relationship where you think that that they're the person you're supposed to spend the rest of your life with and they don't you can't force them into a relationship so that then feels equal if you're always projecting how you think love should be onto somebody it's never going to live up to what you want it to be i want to respond to what you just said because we're on a podcast and everyone is going to hear me say nothing but you guys, like, I don't, I can't, there's nothing, I can't, there's nothing for me to say. I agree, but I can't add, there's nothing that I could possibly add to what you just said. It was perfect. I, can I say something else? Of course. As you were explaining that, I had like a flash of a memory of why I also t- tied it so much to that relationship is because when it came out, he emailed me about it. Kidding and said, like, have you seen this yet? It made me think of you, and I think you would like it. Wow. And also, you reminded me when you brought up the bench thing Mm -hmm. that he and I used to go for walks in this, like around the they call them lakes, they're not really lakes, but like around these lakes and this like park thing near where I lived. Mm -hmm. And there was this one bench that we used to sit on often. 
and we had this like really um almost like otherworldly experience once sitting on that bench next to an elderly couple mm-hmm. this this conversation we had that was really special and i remember us saying like that we were never going to share it with anyone else kind of thing mm-hmm. like that special and uh so yeah, I think it just it, like pierced a lot of spots in my heart, even though obviously, I mean, it's many years ago. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I and I think I also always wondered what he really meant by it made me think of you, whether he was saying that I was JGL's character uh-huh. or like what the message, what message he really intended, because he was a really thoughtful sort of like ethereal minded person so it wasn't just you know he didn't say anything casually moving right right along (laughs) (laughs) my final one on the since you did five i'll make this my final one and then i have a couple that i just want to mention i watched this again for the first time for i watched this again for the first time i watched this again yesterday uh broadcast news I Oh, this one I haven't seen yet, but you have it on my list to watch. It is one of my favorite movies ever. Wow. It really is. And watching it again yesterday just solidified that. Um, it's Holly Hunter, Albert Brooks, and um William Hurt. And they work for a news organization, obviously, because it's called Broadcast News. Holly Hunter is an executive producer. And the two guys are reporters um, trying to be anchors, hopefully. And it's uh, it was from 1987. So it's got that 90s. It feels a lot. I brought it up on our Groundhog Day episode because it feels very similar to the feeling of that movie. It's set in the news industry. They're in they're in D.C., I think, and they're outside a lot when it's cold. It's just a, it's such a great movie. I don't even know what else to say about it because I don't want to give stuff away. Um, I made you watch Morning Glory with Rachel McAdams. Which I really enjoy. And that this movie is the predecessor to that movie. It's very similar. Okay. But, um, and Morning Glory is a, a, a lower quality movie than this movie. Because this one was nominated for Best Picture. The three of them have Oscar nominations. So this is a better movie, but it is basically the same sort of plot as um, as Morning Glory, which I almost put on. But obviously, I went with the better movie. <laughs> what are your honorable mentions? La La Land. Oh, that's a perfect movie for this list. And um, I didn't even think of it. So... There are a couple movies that I've seen in my life that when I'm done, I feel this is incredibly corny, but I have no other way to say it. I have different. I feel yes. Change. Yes. And what I was going to say was empty and whole at the same time. Mm. Call me by your name. Yeah. Silver Linings Playbook and um, Wild by with Reese Witherspoon was another one. When I was mm-hmm. done seeing La La Land, I actually felt like a different person. Like I had like that there was yeah. something in me that actually was unlocked from seeing that movie. Um, the ending is one of my favorite endings because I think the message of the movie is just so poignant. I agree. 
I think it's such a beautiful message because a lot of people, I'm sure, I'm sure there's a lot of people who wanted a happy ending, a happy in the conventional sense of Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling ending up together. And I think the movie is infinitely better that they didn't because, because it is such a beautiful message that the two, the two of them were intertwined in a way where they needed each other to get what they always wanted, but couldn't get unless they met each other and had those experiences together. But ultimately getting what they wanted drove them apart. The other reason that I truly loved the movie and felt so just so about it is that for someone who loves musicals and from someone who loves film and I use the word film in the pretentious way because this movie is such a a love letter to old Hollywood it's styled like a singing in the rain kind of musical which I know you weren't even able to get through but (laughs) which breaks my heart but it is they don't it's to sound like an old ridiculous person they just don't make movies like that often it took a long time for them to make this movie and there's a reason it's because this is just not a type of movie that gets made because of the classicness of it while still being set in modern day and new and have stars that are huge right now the structure of the movie is like an old Hollywood musical. And even especially that sequence at the end where she um, goes into the, into the jazz club and they show like the, if they were together walking in together and they have the, the big musical number at the end that is uh, present in all old musicals, that sequence Mm -hmm. where it's um, surreal. It's not really happening. Um, So I could talk about this movie forever, um, but I just loved it. I think it's beautiful. That does it for our romantic dramas episode. If you want to follow the show, we are at tickets, please podcast on Instagram, and you can send us an email at tickets, please podcast at gmail.com till next time.